Seishura. I'm Jim Jam. I'm Scoot Magoo. And uh, Scott, have you watched a David Lynch movie yet? <sighs> you know what? I'm not even going to promise I'm going to do it this week. Because clearly I've broken my promise a few weeks in a row. Oh yeah, no, You know I, what? Yeah. Lauren and I are practicing self-betterment. We've been going to the gym. And we just kind of pass out when we get home. Because, like, well, Lauren's in much better shape than I am. But I, I'm a, a fat, big you're, you're 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 not you're not fat so i'm, I'm a large husky boy <laughs> okay <laughs> fine <laughs> if you want to shame yourself but you know david lynch still has to be you know a part a part of your plan at some point so uh, and like, like it's just it's just going to continue week after week man oh, i know I'm, I'm just no i'm around. gonna you know what? i'm gonna set myself reminders throughout the week just uh are, are just, you though are you though? Maybe, maybe. <laughs> maybe. We'll oh see. man, I, I, I actually, I part of me kind of hopes you never do watch a David Lynch movie because I just want to egg you on about this every week now. <laughs> oh <laughs> man, God. So, um, today we've got, um, you know, not a whole lot of topics, but I think these are pretty exploratory and. We can get kind of deep down into these. Uh, the first one is sort of a follow-up from last week when we were talking about like single track artists that we like, and you we've mentioned Neurosis. Yeah, we've been well, pretty good at uh, kind of using, you know, kind of bouncing off what we've done before. Which yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I enjoy it. I think I think it's pretty funny. Um, it's it's very unprofessional, which is why I love it so much. Um, <laughs> so. And so last week you mentioned that Neurosis was a band that like you only liked really like their songs for the most part and their tracks, which I yeah. still I, I still find a little weird because like I always found them as just such like an album oriented artist. I I think for me the the reason I I say that is because um I I don't know it just it, it's always they've always been a band where mainly like the first few tracks and then you know in some cases like there's a track down the line that pops up and mainly like the first few tracks i'm like all right like this is great like i'm really digging this and then as the album proceeds it's like okay i'm i'm done i don't yeah. really want to listen to this anymore yeah neurosis so. is it's you definitely have to like buckle up for uh for a neurosis album you exactly. know strap yourself in um so we thought that because it given I, I am not a big neurosis fan whatsoever, that um you know, I thought it'd be cool if, if we just, you know, sort of went over some of their you know, we talked about like some of their best albums and we sort of gave them another chance, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say personally that I am like in the past I've I've made it very clear that I'm not a neurosis fan. I found them to just be like kind of pretentious. Just in their, just in the execution of a, of a lot of what they do, that like like I've, I can't think of a single album titled Neurosis that like makes sense. Like a Neurosis album whose title makes sense. Like I mean, through Silver and Blood, no guess, idea, no like idea what that the, means. Through, I think through the Eye of the Storm, or they have one that's just like yeah. Eye of the Storm, or like, like that's like, direct. Yeah, or like Enemy of the Sun, like that makes sense. But then like Honor Found in Decay, Given to the Rising. Like you know, fires within fires. I think is a is a cool title, but still, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense unless you think of it as like the opposite of um of that Talking Head song, Once a Lifetime, yeah. because you know David <laughs> Byrne's always talking about water under the water or whatever. So, um, anyway, I and I've also found them just a little boring, frankly. A little, like, I I think repetition can work in music. Like, I mean, all art is based on repetition you know, uh, especially music, but Neurosis has this way of just, like, making it as boring as possible for me. Um, and it feels like it doesn't go anywhere. And I, you know, I, which which kind of turned me off of post-metal for a while, uh, but I ended up finding, like, a band like Rosetta that I actually really enjoy. Um, anyway, so... We we listened to two Neurosis albums this week. We listened to what's considered like their best album on Rate Your Music, which is uh, Through Silver and Blood, and then uh, we listened to Scott's favorite, which is uh, Given to the Rising. 
And um, l- l- let's just let's go one by one. So through silver and blood, what what do you think, Scott? Listen to this thing again. Um, to me, what I found interesting is how, like, the album was relatively dynamic while also being a bit formulaic which is like very odd yeah that that um, is you know, paradoxical paper. yeah but to me it was just that they were very like they did you know obviously they had like the more sludgy like atmospheric uh you know heavier parts and that they had the well excuse me they had the more like sludgy heavy parts then they had the more atmospheric parts then they had a lot of parts that were like samples and uh, you know electronics and stuff like that but it felt like that's just kind of they cycled through those ideas mm. to me like it was very dynamic in what they were doing very odd i assume when this came out for a metal band to to include these you know these kind of elements in their sound um and but at the same time it felt like that was kind of on a wheel like on a cycle like they would start out, you know, with a little bit of like the, the the weirdness and then heaviness, atmosphere, and I know like that's kind of a trope of post metal, but I feel like like ISIS, my favorite post metal band, does it better and more engaging. Like each song feels, you know, feels different. There are like memorable parts to it, and that's kind of the thing that stuck out to me through Silver and Blood is that nothing was particularly memorable. I mean, I've listened to the album before, and it's like I I own it on CD, and it never. Like, none of the songs ever stuck out to me, you know, from listening to it in the past. And the same thing was this time. This time, just, it was enjoyable enough. Like, I do like what they do in general. Like, I like the style that they have. I like some of the ideas they bring to the table. But overall, it's just, it's too long and very repetitive. Even though they're doing, they're kind of combining what certainly at the time and even still are interesting uh, interest, an interesting synthesis of sounds. You know, not something that a lot of metal bands do. Maybe not so much now, but certainly back when they were debuting, because um, they used to just be. They used to be like a, a kind of a sludgy crust punk band. Yeah. And then they, you know, eventually kind of morphed into essentially pioneering post metal. Um, yeah, with Lao at Souls at Zero, I think. So yeah, I think that was the first album where they really started to to shift. But, yeah, I I, um, and I I think you know. We should probably make clear that, you know, just because we, you know, maybe have some, you know, negative thoughts towards Neurosis, it doesn't mean that we don't think that they're an important band because, I mean, it's very obvious. Oh, they're incredibly important. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Like an album like this is, you know, in when you look at, you know, the metal landscape, you know, it's, you know, an integral part of it, you know. So we're, we're not saying that it, you know, isn't important, but that doesn't always mean it's good. Um, like, you know, little side note, but like an example, like Sex Pistols, I don't, I, I oh, don't absolutely. think the Sex That's Pistols are good example. at all, but like, you, you just would not have punk without them. So, you know, it's, yeah, I, I think to me personally, I think Sex Pistols is like the best example of, at least from my opinion, respecting their influence while not liking them. I think their music is like super simple. It, it, it's like of, of even the punk music of their day, like even, even the kind of the classic artists they came up with it's like the least interesting and least well made yeah the, but obviously it was so huge at the time not to mention it was basically like just kind of a ruse anyway yeah it was they, just they sort of getting a, i mean obviously they weren't a serious band because they didn't survive like their first first let well, alone their first american tour but like their first few american shows yeah well i don't think they ever seriously wanted to be a band what I meant was that, like, um, their manager Malcolm McLaren kind of engineered the whole like personas and you know the whole punk attitude. Oh, that's that type of thing. Me. Yeah, it's I I if you ever if anybody's ever interested in sort of looking into that a little more, um, Simon Reynolds' book uh, "Rip It Up and Start Again" is like sort of like a history of post punk, and they go into Malcolm McLaren a little bit into it uh you know it's a really good book i i I would suggest get the first edition because they end up talking about like um the no wave scene in new york and uh a couple other band like a couple other scenes that don't that sort of got like i don't know cut out in like later editions but this is all beside the point um (laughs) neurosis um i listened so i first did through silver and blood and then i did give into the rising and um 
wow, through Silver and Blood was was a slog to get through. <laughs> to be totally honest, it was yeah. really tough. Um, I and like it looked like for, like the the first like three minutes of like the title track, which is you know the 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 first track off of the album, you know, are pretty cool. But like the first track is twelve minutes long. It's, and all mm-hmm. it does is just exactly. go through the same thing over and over again. And it feels like the parts that do change don't really have any uh, logical progression behind them. Uh, you know, it, it just felt that, like they're just like, oh, we've been doing this for like five minutes straight. Let, let's just change this <laughs> like really, like really quickly, guys. <laughs> you know, and, the, and the, then we'll go back. Don't worry. And just like and then. Uh, I was saying this to Scott beforehand too. Like the they're the second track rehumanize and like the, there are a couple of tracks throughout the entire album that have like these vocal clips that they've obviously taken from different sources that are all like oh about like the soul and like the self and like all this like I and the other and you know like like fucking Martin Buber type of <laughs> type of bullshit going on. <laughs> um you know, and it's just like, it really, it's really annoying because like, their music just doesn't reflect that whatsoever. Like you, like, and I don't know. It's it's just like, it would be like a, a like a punk rock band. Like it'd be like a hardcore punk band talking about like how much they like sincerely love capitalism like you know it's it, it just doesn't like it just doesn't fit the sound frankly for me like and it, this isn't to say that like you know other albums aren't like in neurosis catalog aren't like you know are different from this or not you know it's just this example is just like just really got to me after a while and it's just like it's it's 70 minutes of just one riff that's sort of what it felt like to me um so like i have to agree with you just like it's it just it didn't feel like there was a lot of progression at all through it It felt like it was very repetitive uh which is only compounded by the the runtime of this thing um and usually i don't mind putting on an album and like you know playing some xbox or whatever but like this was just like after a while i was like dying <laughs> so i was i was so happy when this thing was over um it was just not very fun um it, yeah and I, I think the difference for me with given to the to the rising is that the first three tracks uh are this is kind of more what i was talking about with or is like a few singles from i really love the first three tracks i love uh, it feels like the ideas that they kind of pioneered on given to the rising except more fleshed out and just you know more, you more mean, mean more, uh kind of through silver and blood yeah like the ideas they pioneered on through silver and blood yeah. early in their career except like it was actually memorable um yeah it actually to me like i love the the title track like the, the first track on given the rising i love how that developed that initial riff really stuck with me um i then like uh i always forget what the second track is called uh it is fear and sickness because yeah I, I like that one but not as much as especially to the wind i really really like to the wind a yeah, lot it's a good track um, like um, i love the melody on that i love uh just how like different it is and how it flows from um, from all the other songs on there. Uh, but then pretty much right after that, just the same thing that it always happens. Because I have a few other Neurosis albums too. They were one of those bands that I think there were a few albums relatively cheap at like Bull Moose or New Ray Comics some, at some point in time in college. And I just, I really wanted to like them. So I, I picked them up and just, yeah. I... And the main thing, and with both these albums, it's the same issue. Is both of these albums, and I think pretty much every Neurosis album, is at least an hour long. Yeah, and their music is just yeah. super. Again, like maybe I'm, I'm just uh, like Isis albums and other post metal albums just aren't as long, or maybe I just don't. They don't feel that long to me. But like, I, I, I thought like, Isis had some Panopticon, pretty long albums. But like Panopticon, for example, it feels it doesn't feel that long. It feels like every song you know develops you know in its own way. It's unique. It's dynamic. Even though they're really doing, they're not trying to fit as much in as Neurosis is. Isis music is relatively simpler, at least on you know some of their earlier albums. But they just execute it 
in so much of a better way, in my opinion. Yeah, um, I I totally get that. Like, I think my my favorite ISIS album is probably uh, in the absence of truth. Um, that's a great album. Yeah, and like even like the first the first track of that really like just hooks you in um with just sort of you know it, the, the songwriting is really interesting like it just it, it invites you to go further um mm-hmm. and with neurosis it just feels like you're being punished for for going further um i, I <laughs> before i go get into my thoughts and give into the rising though um i do just want to ask because I, I don't really like i don't understand the hype for the for through silver and blood at all like i just do not understand why people think this is a good album uh, I I think it's because of when it came because this was maybe their second album. I think it followed. It's, Souls I think it's their, Zero. their third. So it's Souls at Zero, Enemy yeah. of the Sun, and then through Silver and Blood. Okay, so it was yeah. their third in like that kind of. I think it was the most refined up to that point of when because they had a few albums before Souls at Zero that were more. Um, you know, obviously more cross punky, more more sludgy. Uh, yeah. I think I think at the time it was just I guess, you know, really pushed through, really was what clicked in terms of people accepting their sound. because um, I, I think I've listened to Souls of Zero once and it was definitely like an even more raw version of what they eventually went on to do. Um like so, so I'm just looking at the um so Tools Undertow came out the same year as enemies of the enemy of the sun and like that that's the thing is is like like it's 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 not like the 90s were bereft of interesting metal acts like sure it wasn't the big focus of the time um but like you know they had interesting albums and so like you know for, for someone who was like oh yeah you know like do silver and blood was the only good album there like dude undertow undertow's a fucking great album like you know, in, even Tools Opiate EP, I think those are both great releases that are right around the same time and do somewhat similar things, arguably. Uh, though I think Tool has more of like a prog rock edge to them, as opposed to just like thunderous sludge metal. Mm-hmm. Um, but all I'd say is just like like I, I just find that like if if someone was just like oh yeah, th- this album's good because it was the only different like album at this time. Like, I feel like that's a really weak argument. Like, yeah, I mean, th- that's just my best guess because I mean, I do think kind of the specific, uh, style that neurosis was doing at the time was, was different for what they were doing. Yeah. I, mean, I do oh, see yeah. few, some parallels between what tool and what neurosis were doing, but, um, yeah, I they, think... it, it's, it's, it's definitely a little, di- I mean, it's like what neurosis was doing was different, but like, again, I don't know if that's really good. Like, I just feel like, you know, it's it's just an example of a band who, you know, pioneered a sound, but they weren't necessarily masters of that sound. Oh, I, I think so. that's one of the biggest problems in even still today in music is that the uh, conflation of something being different with something being good. I think yeah. that fans and, and metal journalists and or, or just journalists in general, they, they do that all the time. Yeah. All it's, the time. It's just very strange with Neurosis because, like, I, I feel like... You know, at, at least with like other, you know, music, like some other of those albums that might fit like this qualification that we're putting on it, like, you know, at least with those albums, like it isn't repetitive and annoying. Like, just to, I, again, I, I, I don't want to be too negative here and too salty here because, like, you know, at the end of the day, I really don't care either way. Like, if you're a Neurosis fan, good on you. I am glad you enjoy the band. You know, to Neurosis the band, I'm glad you guys are doing what you want and making money from it. You know, like, like I'm, I, I'm very like ambivalent when it comes to like, like I'm not gonna go and tell somebody not to be a fan of a band that I don't like. I find I find that to be very puerile. But just like I've just never understood the hype for this band, and I'm just just not a fan at the end of the day, and I just don't understand this album uh, and why it's so well regarded. Uh, that being said, uh. I actually really enjoyed Given to the Rising. <laughs> um, I thought I thought you might. I feel like it's a better version of yeah. So, well, I I remember because I I actually remember way back when you got into Neurosis that um, it was when Honor Found and Decay came out. 
um that you just bought that on the spot i I think if i remember right like swans uh the steer came out like possibly the same day or like within like the same month or something like that so i remember i'm I'm pretty sure that's that's true yeah yeah so i remember you buying both of those and um i didn't really i i i don't think you even listened to honor founded dk but i remember you let me borrow given to the rising rising (laughs) rising um rising Give him to the rising sun. Um, anyway, <laughs> so the um, I remember really liking it back then. Um, you know, I thought it was really interesting for the time. Uh, but I wasn't, you know, sometimes with these type of albums, they don't always age well for me. Like, um, you, you know, like I can think of like, um, oh, like, like Joy Division's uh, Closer. Like, I, I think, like, I... I probably like that more back then than I do now. And even then it wasn't like great. <laughs> um, but like given, but listening to this, listening to give given to the rising again was, was really cool. I, and you know, I think I'm, I'm with you. Like the first three tracks are great. I actually thought the entire album as a whole was really good. Um, just because like, it, you know, it, it felt like they were filling the time that this thing took up with, which, I mentioned to Scott earlier this week that it's almost the exact same runtime as through Silver and Blood. It's off by literally ten seconds. Uh, it's it's ten seconds really? longer than through Silver and Blood. Um, Interesting. Yeah, and so, but yet in this time, Neurosis is able to do a lot of interesting shit in this. Like like you yeah. know, the, the, there was a lot of like like you know I think part of it is like they have these riffs that are you know, a little more, um, you know, earwormy that like sort of stick in you a little bit and really like ask you Mm -hmm. to just like, you know, it it really gets you into the whole like pulse of their music. But then, you know, they also have like just these, uh, like these inner, like sort of the the way things would, uh, you know, the song would develop, I thought was, you know, just so much tighter and so much more thought out than than mm-hmm. through silver and blood so like you know even though this album is technically longer than the previous i actually enjoyed my time in this one a lot more and i was actually surprised when it was end when it ended because i just didn't expect it so i i think that really the only bad thing i can say about given to the rising is that uh the ending sort of doesn't sound like much of an ending like it just it, it sort of feels like that this album could have gone on for like three more tracks even though i i don't think i would want that at all <laughs> um <laughs> it's just like like it, you know how sometimes like the end of an album like like i, I don't know if you never noticed this scott but like i've noticed a lot of like rock albums and a lot of metal albums have like this sort of trajectory in their track listing that like you know like first track is like you know either an interlude or you know like, it gets you pumped up like the first couple tracks get mm-hmm. you really pumped up, and then they sort of go back down in tone to like something more somber, you know. They they have a couple mm-hmm. ballads, and then they go up again, you know, to really like, uh, you know, to pump it up again, and then they sort of go down once more for the for the final track. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I, you know, example my first example off the top of my head is like Wolf Mother, like, you know, like like the first Wolf Mother. I'm like, you know, you you have uh that that very first uh track that just like turns you on and then like but then like the final track love train is like or no no I, I think vagabond is the last track yeah that sounds right um that is like this you know winding folky kind of ballad you know type mm-hmm. of thing so i think with that like the final track of given the rising origin it just doesn't have this same um you know feeling to like like it just it 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 felt like they're like oh we're not done yet and the but but it's like no we're we're actually done (laughs) (laughs) no but actually Uh, though we are yeah and so um yeah i i mean i i'm actually surprised how much i like this album i i i think you know i i think if, if i got to the point in collecting music that like i had pretty much everything i i really wanted in terms of like stuff i'd already listened to i would probably pick up this actually um but i'm probably i I just overall i the the experience of through silver and blood has left a really bad taste in my mouth and um i just don't really have any interest in sort of pursuing the band beyond given to the rising 
Um, yeah, but all, all that said, you know, I this is a good album. I, I, I don't really understand the hype for this band still, but like, you know, I'm glad that I found one album that I think is legitimately good from them. Yeah, and personally, I you know, I'm kind of in the same boat in terms of uh, enjoying Given to the Rising now so much through Silver and Blood. Uh, I think that overall, if they just kind of tightened up the runtime, mm. both on like a track by track basis and um, you know just overall, which I guess one would lead to the other, uh, I think that their albums would be a little bit more palatable, a little bit more enjoyable. Um, to me, that's always been their Achilles' heel is that they just they just have so much of, of relatively, you know, kind of the same thing. And I think that's always been their Achilles heel to a, a degree. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm looking at their <sighs> discography right now. They have 10 albums that are basically like post-metal albums. And I feel like most of them probably sound very similar. I will say I, I wouldn't mind giving their collaboration with Jarbo a chance because I, I really like Swans. Mm-hmm. And I think like Jarbo and Neurosis just kind of sound like a cool uh, combination. But I think I've l- yeah. I listened to that one point and really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was so, a little bit different than their usual fare. Well, because yeah, Jarbo obviously contributed, contributed well exactly musically to Swans. So yeah, that's why I wouldn't mind to check out that. But I'm just curious though before we move on, uh, what what albums of theirs do you own? Because I I think right, you have Honor Found and Decay, Given to the Rising, you have uh, Through Silver and Blood. Two, right? Um. Oh Jesus. Um. <laughs> it's it's okay me, if you don't pull, know. I mean, I, yeah. let me just pull up discogs because I could go in the other room, but that would be the whole production. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I I think I still I don't think I've sold any of their their albums, so yeah. I think I still have Honor Found and Decay through Silver and Blood, Given to the Rise. The first one I bought was Given to the Rising. Really? Um, I, I thought you bought Honor Founded Decay first. I think I bought um, Give It to the Rising online. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. And I so I have through Silver and Blood. Oh, Times of Grace. Okay, yeah. Um I don't have Sovereign, but it says I have Sovereign, which I don't think that's accurate. Yeah, a I mean is that even that, is that even a band of theirs? Is that even an album of theirs? Uh, I think it's like a live album, which I, do, I uh, don't have. Maybe I bought like a master. I don't know. But okay. And I have A Sun That Never Sets and Given to the Rising. So, actually, I guess I have a number of their albums. Um, oh, Sovereign is a, an EP, apparently, which I've just never I heard. must I must have bought like a compilation, something, you know, where it had both. Um, oh, it could have been I like a, uh, yeah, okay, but like a vinyl, it's like a special vinyl edition, which, by, you know, great, 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 great cross great segue, you know, <laughs> brings us to our next topic. Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, so, I've, I've had this idea sort of written down for a while, and I actually, yeah, and I, I was watching um, Fantano's, you know, Let's Argue series. Uh, a little while ago, and someone brought up um, something very similar to this, that they're like, deluxe albums are stupid, that like bonus, like who wants bonus tracks and like demos of stuff that we've already listened to, and his thoughts are like, like maybe, but like at the same time, we, we, we live in a, we live in an age of music where like people think it's okay to fit just like you know, everything into an album, and just, just to see what sticks. And it ends up being just horrible because like no mm-hmm. nobody has any you know, like mostly because there's no reason to cut the track length down anymore because people aren't really listening in the same way they used to. What with like playlist culture, sort of the way it is. Um, so I thought it was I thought it would be cool just to talk about just the idea of deluxe albums and sort of um, you know, try to look at this from a couple different sides because I think there are. A bunch of different ways to view this because I, I you know i think one of them is just like the idea of sheer corporate greed kind of <laughs> like i'm thinking of um do you, do you remember that uh they, they did a super deluxe version of uh soundgarden's bad motor finger and like it was like on vinyl and everything and like it, it came in like this really cool case but like it has like all these freaking demos on it that are just mm. like like what's the fucking point and it it, it but then the price, it, it's like, it's at least 75 bucks, if not more. 
for for just this whole stupid thing and it, i i just don't get it yeah um yeah so i you know i l- let's just dive right in <laughs> yeah i think for me there are two types of deluxe additions bonus tracks you know what have you uh, both annoy me for different <laughs> reasons. One is the bonus tracks that are kind of useless, um, like the demos, the remixes, and yeah, stuff like that. Like covers and, even. And I, I don't purchase those, you know, actively. Like I don't look for those editions. Yeah. But sometimes if I'm going to buy a CD, they just have them. Like that's the only one there. And like, if I want to buy an album just because it has like it's the deluxe version and it has all this extra crap on, I mean, I'm still gonna buy. I'm not gonna not buy it. But then when you get to the end of the tr- the album, you're like, okay, now here's all the, all these albums or like all these tracks I don't care about, and essentially, uh, it, it's just it's annoying because if it feels like in a lot of cases, you obviously the price is jacked up. Maybe not so much in like used uh, used albums, but they jack up the price for a lot of stuff that you like don't. Yeah, I don't want. I, I <laughs> like, don't yeah, need. I, I remember back in the day. I and I, I'm trying to. I, I don't know if I remember this totally right, but when um, Mastodon's The Hunter came out, um, they had a deluxe version of that that had like I want to say like demos and like live tracks on them. And I'm like, at the time, I'm like a huge Mastodon fan, and so you know, it's just like 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 that's cool and everything, and it's like it's a cool cover for a deluxe edition but it's like what's the fucking point like like i like, yeah. it's like i don't want to listen to live tracks uh like okay for, like another example like i my album of the week this week i'm not going to say what it is but um the version i was listening to on spotify has like a bunch of live tracks at the end they're just stuck on the end for some reason i think that that's because it was like this remaster edition but again i, I don't really know why it's like that because it's like I already listened to the studio track, which I think in almost any other like I, I I think the only genre I can think of that where live tracks might be better than the studio tracks is like jazz, you know, so like basically I it's like, oh, remember that track that you really liked? Well, here's a well, here's a shittier version of it. It's like the same thing with demos. It's just like here here's another version of a track that like, you know. There's a reason it's a demo, like mm-hmm. is because it's they're trying stuff out, and that that recording of it wasn't good enough to make it to the actual track listing. So it's just like I've just I I don't get it, and like I I think you know the argument some people will make in you know in response to that is like you know well maybe you're not you know a really big fan of that or like you know like maybe there are fans who are just so into the band that they will listen that that they, they they take a huge interest in these type of recordings and seeing how these you know uh how these songs came into being like um i don't know if you've noticed this but in the reissues of uh death's discography they uh they include like a ton of of demos at the end of like every single album and i've just found none of them interesting Mm-hmm. And like, but there are some really big death fans out there that I think could find you know some something interesting from that. But again, like I just don't know what. Like I, I just don't know how a less like like a less developed version of a track would be more interesting than the actual track itself. Well, and to me, the well, the other type of bonus version that. Uh, bothers me is um the ones that actually do have legitimate bonus tracks um that are interesting yeah um and a lot of times i want to buy that version like for example when i wanted to buy good kid mad city and um i think originally i bought like the regular version and then they came out with the deluxe version a little little bit later and i was like well fuck there were some actually some cool songs yeah what what wasn't swimming pool in uh the deluxe no, that was on the regular, but they had there was a song that he made with Dr. Dre was was actually really good. Um, I think a song he made with the Mary J. Blige that was actually really nice. Um, so like it kind of is a different angle of the corporate greed, where they <laughs> kind of like 
It, it's almost like when Nintendo does like crystal version or like they do like the third version. You're like, damn it! Like I already bought. Yeah. This. And I mean, it's not like it's expensive, but. Or or, or like how I not only. Oh, I was gonna say as of late, Nintendo sort of they've um, they've just basically ported like all the games from Wii U to to the Switch. It's like it's like it's like that type yeah. of shit too. Yeah, exactly. So it's kind of like you know you were saying the the one point, you know they're reserving this specifically for you know like hardcore fans, like you know hardcore fans are like the only people who might like like all these bonus versions and stuff. On the contrary, they're kind of screwing over, um, hardcore fans because they have like they have you know these bonus editions that come out later that actually have or like they'll dig it in they'll dig in like one or two like new songs and a bunch of crap. A bunch of demos and remixes and stuff. Yeah. So I, I mean, yeah. it's cool in the sense that like a lot of times the bonus tracks they do save. Um, like I remember back in the day, uh, "Continent" by the Acacia Strain. Like I really, really loved that album and the two bonus tracks that uh, I think they were included like on the Japanese version or the vinyl version or something, or they just kind of were two tracks that they kind of were floating around there. Actually, were the two best songs in the album. So like I didn't mind I didn't mind like I think I like downloaded them illegally at the time to be honest um, because I used to do that. How fucking um, dare you? <laughs> but, I know yeah. I don't do that anymore. But um, I'm also an adult with money, so. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, like there, there there are some cases where like for whatever reason the bonus tracks are actually like better or like as good, and it's kind of like why weren't these on the album? But yeah, um, I I I started to get that too. Like like um oh. I like 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 Florence and the Machines' first album, Lungs. Uh, they have like a bunch of B sides that are like at the end of like if you get like the deluxe version. I think they even made like a B sides like separate release because it was like just that big of an album. They're like let's let's try to get all the money we can out of this thing. But like there are some really great songs that are bonus tracks. Like um, Heavy in Your Arms is like just I one of the most powerful tracks I've ever heard written by Florence Welch. Um, you know, and it's just weird that that didn't make the regular track listing. Um, and I, I, like, I, and, you know, sometimes you wonder whether it's like, you think it was purposeful or like to, to be like, Oh, this is a really good song, but like you have to, you have to fucking pay more for it. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know. know. It, again, it's interesting how that works out sometimes. Like for example, uh, How soon is now is easily the the Smiths' most well known album, or most well known song. Song, yeah. And it, that was not on any album. It was yeah, added but... to Meet His Murder after the fact. Like it was added to, to subsequent releases of Meet His Murder, um, but it was released as a single, and it just it took off, and it was extraordinarily popular. Yeah, but you so can it, you that... can get it on. Uh, it's not on Louder Than Bombs. Yeah, or... they eventually released, so you could buy it on compilation. So they kind of, yeah. so I don't I don't know the timeline of when uh, it was added to Meet His Murder. I think that they did it relatively quickly after, um, you know, okay. after they realized, holy shit, like, this song's really popular. Yeah. Um, I, it's, okay, what's kind of odd is they, like, yeah. it's, it's right in the middle of Meet His, like, the, when they added it, they didn't add it as, like, a bonus track at the end. It's, like, part of the album now, which is interesting. Like, I'm, I kind of wonder why they do th- that. That is really way. strange. Actually, um, Madonna did the same thing with um, within uh, Like a Virgin. There's uh, the track that she did for uh, the film Desperately Seeking Susan. Um, oh, Get Into in, into the Groove, um, which I think is, is just a great song. I recommend everybody listen to it. <laughs> but um, in the normal edition of you know um of like a virgin it's nowhere to be found but then if you get like this special british version of it it's there and it's like right in the middle of the track listing for some reason um that's so I, interesting yeah I, and I, I think i've said this before on here but like i actually got to the point that like i sold my old copy of like a virgin because it didn't have that track on it and i ended up buying like the british version even though it like so i i basically spent like twice as much money just to get an extra track and i don't regret it whatsoever (laughs) (laughs) um there is oh i so i just want to go over one more album here and then i really want to talk about like sort of like jazz albums because i think jazz albums have like sort of a curious relationship when it comes to this type of stuff Mm -hmm. um but the album i'm talking about here is uh curtis mayfield's debut album curtis 
uh, because I, I this is something I've always noticed that I've never really liked about this album that um, if you buy a version of it now, it comes with all these like demo tracks at the end of it. So like already the thing on its own is 40 minutes, but then you have uh, so it's eight tracks normally with the rest of the demos and stuff like that. It's uh, 77 minutes. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and a lot of these, like, okay, so most of them are demos, and then some of them, like, and, and so some of them are, are demos of songs that didn't even make it to the album, but then there's demos of tracks that are actually in the album, and then there's, like, backing, vo- the, there, there's, like, backing edits of, like, certain tracks, and, like, um, I want to say, like, I remember that there was one that had, like, um, like, a radio edit of Move On Up, you know, and it's just, like, like I, I don't know I I just don't understand, you know why, like like, like I yeah it, it just doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me, just why you would include a lot of that because a lot of the stuff you know isn't really that good and like you know if we wanted a radio edit of it, you know if if we're that desperate for it like we would just buy it on iTunes, like frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, I just yeah I never understood that it's just like oh yeah we're gonna add half an hour to this album that like like I don't know it, it, it's such a great album on its own so like why add more to it but yeah with, for um, sure I totally get that yeah with, with jazz albums though they have like this weird thing that like they'll well it isn't really weird because it's like just given the genre that they have many different takes of the same track that they'll sometimes put on an album um, you know like. I, the one that comes to my mind is uh, Wayne Shorter's Speak No Evil. That, like, mm-hmm. there are... I, I want to say, like, they do uh, an alternate take of, of the title track, and then I th- want to say Witch Hunt as well. Um, and, like, those are fine. You know, it, it's... Like, but but the thing is, it, it, it's like... There, there's already, you know... <laughs> there's already, like... The, the differences between jazz, like, between alternate takes for jazz recordings to me are just very very um like there isn't much of a difference you know like um oh it, it, that's so in this it was a rudy van gelder remaster edition of speak no evil it had um dance cadaverous at the end and like so at the end of it i'm like wait i've already heard this track you know <laughs> so it's just like what what the hell happened but like with a lot of these remastered versions they always include this type of stuff or like um if you ever look at the kind of blue legacy edition, um, it is two hours worth of music. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, and because a lot of it is like just alternate takes of like flamenco sketches and Freddie Freeloader, and like basically every track was had like an alternate take or like a different like false start or like a sequence or something like that. And then like it's just like but at the same time, they have a couple of these bonus tracks that they didn't include. Like, um, they do a version of Stella by Starlight that I ended up really loving. That first, it was actually what really got me into jazz was like that song, that version of the song. But, like, you know, you would think, that, like, why not just include like that bonus edition instead of all these different takes of the same song because like you know the the takes aren't really going to differ in a way like the solos are going to be a little a little bit different but like for the but most not part, enough to make it like wor- worth it yeah like exactly me, at least. i mean i guess yeah. if, it, if it's already on there whatever but like, yeah like but but then like you know in a live setting i can see the difference you mm-hmm. know be, because i think that like if you're doing live jazz i think there's a lot more going on in that moment that like you know you're sort of playing to the crowd and so you're playing off of the crowd at the same time you know and sort of gauging their energy so you might you know you know you you might want to take you know a solo that you know is you know pretty reserved and go very passionate Mm -hmm. with it or vice versa depending on the mood you know like that that makes more sense but then you have like these fucking things in, in like these studio editions, what are you drinking? <laughs> Coffee. Sorry. Yeah, I but thought just it would like, be much much quieter than it was. Oh it was no, no, too no! Late it, once it, it is. Uh, it, it's it sounded like you were you were potentially relieving yourself. So <laughs> just uh, I was not. That would be very impressive if I were to carry my whole contraption to the bathroom with me. No, oh no, no. I, I was I my my thought immediately goes to a bottle. Um. 
<laughs> oh yeah, no, that's I I do pee in the toilet usually. Um, <laughs> anyway, to, anyway, to so to go to go off of your point, I, yeah. I totally agree that it's not. Um, I, it's not a huge deal. I do say it's a little annoying when because a lot of times when I put on an album, uh, like I just kind of let it play and like I'm done doing something and I, I, um, I get distracted. So it's kind of annoying when. Like suddenly, I'm like, wait a second, I've heard this song before. Um, yeah, like, and then oh. suddenly you're like, oh wait, it's because it's the same version, except like slightly different. So I mean, typically I, it's if, not. Like, if if I can just interrupt for a sec, because I I wanted to bring this up that have you ever heard the the album Bird and Diz? It's a Dizzy Gillespie Charlie Parker collaboration. I don't think I have no. So this album is on spotify the expanded edition on spotify is 46 minutes um there are one two three four five six seven eight nine ten different either incomplete versions or alternate takes of the same song jesus like so like and i'm just talking about this one song leapfrog in like a lot of these like a lot of these incomplete takes they only go for like 20 seconds or like 40 seconds. And it's like, why? That's so odd. Yeah. yeah. That's so weird. Yeah. It's really strange. And like, they, they have this, like, and that isn't, you know, they, they have another one that has, um, let's say one, two, three, four. Yeah. Five, um, different alternate or in like false star tracks to it. And it's like, I, I don't, I don't know the point of that. Like, yeah, it's like a mistake. Like I guess, if yeah, you're truly a completionist. I, that's interesting, I, but like, for I, I most think, people, it's like I don't really want to hear that. I would say the only reason that this, I, I, I can understand it in the context of just the fact that Charlie Parker died early, so you know the amount of music he had recorded wasn't as much as a lot of other jazz artists who had you know ended up living a little longer. Um, so, you know, like a lot of people are really interested in, you know, like the little minutia because you you sort of want every little bit. It's, it's sort of like how like Joy Division, like, you know, you buy substance or you buy like some sort of compilation because they had all these other songs that weren't in their studio albums that were actually good. Um, you know, I like I or like, um, you know, like maybe in a different medium, uh, like Kafka, he has uh, like a lot of like these really small like barely stories they, they're almost like flash fiction that get published mm-hmm. now because like he really just didn't have a huge body of work by the time he died mm-hmm. but again it's just like it's it's not even a whole like it's, it's not like it's even completed though like <laughs> so well, well i'm sorry i i totally interrupted you so what were you saying if you can remember back to what you were saying <laughs> Yeah, just like, like those, those 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 um those incomplete takes and whatnot. Actually, just pretty much any uh any album that has like a, the big calling cards that has a bunch of takes, especially if they're like not even full takes or there's mistakes or whatever. Um, it's just that has to almost certainly be just for completionists. Um, and. I, see, I don't know. Does, does that really count? Because like I, I count myself as being a completionist, um, to some extent. But even I don't care. Let, let, like example, like I have every single Depeche Mode studio album. They have like a bunch of singles compilations that I think have other tracks on them. But I honestly have no interest in them. But like, so does that make me less of a completionist or not a completionist at all, or what? That's a good point. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know if I have the answer to that. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't bringing it up to you know, uh, like you know, defy your opinion. It's just like, you know, oh, what, yeah, absolutely. How, how exactly do you define? How do how do we define these things? Um, I also want to point out that there's one artist that I can think of who doesn't do any demos, despite his huge amount of work, and that's uh, John Zorn. Mm-hmm. Like everything he puts out is very purposeful like that i've i think the only time i can remember him ever putting out something twice is like 
sometimes when it comes to his classical compositions that, you know, there are different performances of it, like the uh, piano piece Carney that shows up on an album called Angelus Novus. But then it also shows up on uh, Cartoon S&M, uh, as well as uh, Cartoon S&M is kind of a compilation. But like you, you don't see any, um, you know, alternate takes or like failed takes or anything like that. And like the B sides mm-hmm. and rarities that he puts out, you know, which are very rare, but the ones he does put out are actually really good. Like for example, um, Sanhedrin, which is um, Masada rarities, uh, which is if you look on Rate Your Music, it's considered the best Masada album. <laughs> so, huh. yeah, it's like it, it just. I I want to say that the artist has some control over some of this, but, like, I really don't see any reason why the artist would want to show off that. Like, it, it would be like, you know, if, if every painter you knew showed off, like, you know, early, uh, like, study sketches of, like, anatomy. Like, the, 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 it's not really their work. It's, like, the beginning of their work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Um, do you have any final thoughts here? Yeah, no. I, I mean, I, I think that it's it's kind of like I've been thinking since you made that last comment that like, how do we even define completionist? Because I would consider myself a completionist in the, in the sense of um, like I, I own every Saint Vincent album on vinyl, but she just released a reworked version of. Um, uh, mass seduction her new album that was all like uh, kind of like piano ballad versions of the songs on there oh yeah which i find really interesting and i liked the rendition but i don't know if i would buy that on vinyl i might someday but like it's not it's it's not really like a it's not really new music i mean it's new renditions yeah. and it's interesting that she did that so like because i'm not buying that like what would i be considered a completionist or i mean i know it's just it's a name but like um I don't know. I think that's interesting. Yeah, I I think it's maybe just like where your interest lies, and I think there are some people who are just like obsessed with even the smallest amount of minutia mm-hmm. from an artist, like um, like our friend Andrew, who um, is a really big Jim Jim Croce fan. Um, you know, and so I I've talked to him, and he has literally every like alternate take and like B side that Jim Croce ever put out in his lifetime. And I, I think, again, I think part of that is because Jim Croce died very suddenly. You know, his uh-huh. death his death was just a, a, a huge tragedy and, like, just was completely unexpected. So, like, you know, it, it sort of makes sense to, like, gather up all that work. But at the same time, like, I mean, I don't know Bob Dylan's catalog that much, but, like, he must have, like, just so many B-side collections at this point. Or, or yeah, just no, like absolutely just must like, be absurd. Yeah, or, or or just like alternate tastes of tracks, and it's like I don't really know who would want to buy those. Even Dylan, like quote unquote completionists, like mm-hmm. and I, you know, I all I'd say is like I, you know, it, it depends on what that artist means to you. Um, you know, but at this, I don't know it's it's such a, such an interesting point because like. Like, uh, do you remember John Zorn's uh, song project? I don't know if you've heard of that before. I think so, yeah. Uh, yeah, they they have, like, a couple versions of it, but it's basically, like, people took his tracks and put lyrics to them. Uh, and, like, that's a cool idea. And, I, I mean, but the thing is, I don't know if I would buy it personally. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, I'm just sort of, like, either way, because, like, I... Like, I would love to get every album Zorn's ever come out with. But it's like, I, I don't really know if I'd want to listen to his songs, which are already good on their own, with lyrics. So, like, it, it, it's sort of like, like your thing with, like, vocal jazz. How it's like, it, it feels like sort of superfluous, in a way. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's just not... Um, you know, there are certain things artists do where, I assume, you're not really going to be interested in. Even, like, artists you really like... Um, like eventually they're going to release it especially if they've been around for a while they're going to release an album that you don't really care for or you know like that you're not really um, as big a fan of and i mean i guess it doesn't matter because of uh 
you know, I don't think we run in any circles that are super judgmental or like you know like you're not a real fan or anything like that. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, yeah, uh, I, maybe there are some metal circles, but I, I don't really think we know any of those guys. To be fair, mm. um, yeah, I, I I get what you mean. So I think we'll just close that off for now. I think we could probably go on and on about this. Yeah, sure. Um, so let's just, our last little part of this episode, let's talk about albums of the week. Uh, Scott, what is your album of the week? So this album is not out yet. Um, I loved, like, love spun the first few. I spun the first, like, I think, like, the label put up two, two of the songs on Bandcamp and the band put up four. And it got to the point where they, like, on both Bandcamp streams, they like the little you need to open your wallet and like you know buy this oh yeah so i actually reached out to the label for uh, a promo because I'm, I'm i'm definitely going to review this in a, a few weeks um it's a band called pound and okay. the name of the album is just just two dots what, what, um, like periods no like like two they're like like dots like circles two black circles okay um and uh they the, the all the songs are like random math equations and i was looking at this I'm like what the hell is this gonna sound like this is really <laughs> weird the setup of the band is the guitarist plays i think he plays like a nine string baritone guitar oh shit and the drummer plays like i think it said he plays a duo drum kit so i feel like maybe he plays a drum kit that has like multiple like uh, of, of each drum yeah, I guess. I'm not I'm not really sure. In any case, the music is it's wow. It's like crazy crazy. Basically, imagine like a mashup of Meshuga, Dillinger Escape Plan and Lightning Bolt. Just Holy like this fuck. <laughs> this like mathcore, like gen noise rock, like freewheel. It's like it's all over the place and it's it's just the way that they sequence their songs, the way that they, you know, like write riffs and whatnot, it's just, it's such a fluid developing mode. Like there are some moments where it literally sounds like, like a, like a kind of a math core freak out with like a noise rock edge, kind of like lightning bolt, that really freewheeling. And then they'll just go into this like really nasty, like, like genty breakdown. Um, but like, it's just so well developed. Like the breakdowns aren't just a breakdown. Like it'll start, like kind of, you know, in one place, and then they'll develop it. It really feels like a, a breakdown. It's like developing like a riff. Um, it's just really well written, really really heavy, but also not just heavy. Like I think that's that's one of my problems with like I actually do like Meshuga, but bands like Meshuga, and even some of their albums feel super linear. If that makes sense, like it literally yeah. feels like you're just gonna have you know like like ride ride snare like just like the same drum beat the same riff the entire song. This feels like so alive and dynamic and just energetic. Hmm. Um, yeah, I I, I, don't, I think Bandcamp posted about it. Or someone posted like something about it, and I was like, that sounds crazy. And lo and behold, it's it's just absolutely insane. Do you know? So, uh, is is there a label that we know who's putting this out, or is this just like an independent release? I forget the name of the. It's a it's an underground label. They do like okay. like avant garde jazz and metal is like their niche. Oh, shit. Um, but I don't remember what they're called. Okay, yeah, I'll have to look into that. But that sounds really fucking cool. What, what when's it due out? By the way, it's coming out at the end of the month. Okay. Uh, I'm hoping to review it probably next week at this point. But yeah. I'm really really excited to give. I mean, it's just it's just it really. Um, I've liked a lot of metal albums this year. This is probably the most excited I've been about a metal album all year. Wow. That that means a lot, considering the amount of metal you listen to. Yeah. So. like I mean, from the first single I listened to, by the end of it, I was like, I, I, I need to hear this. Like, I need to... It doesn't happen often where, like, I hear one song from, like, a, a promo. I'm like, I need, to, I need to review this. Like, I need to, to like, say, like, say my piece about this. Yeah. yeah I, I love when an album like that comes around. Um, it's, it's actually kind of like my own album of the week, though, to be fair, this has been out for a long time and I've known about this album and loved this album for a very long time. Uh, Queen Sarich's, uh, Operation Mindcrime. 
Oh, there you go. I think were we talking about that last week? Uh, maybe the week I think before. I, you, yeah, you mentioned possibly. it sometime. Yeah, recently, I, I think. Well, I so I had started just like like because it, you know sometimes like I, I don't know if you have this problem, but like I'll go through my Spotify list, and like since I'm so used to how the list is laid out that I sort of my eyes run over certain albums, and like sort of forget about the existence of those albums. And yeah. so I was looking through it and making just like a detailed list of what to listen to. And that came up and I just put it on yesterday and, and like just fell in love with this album all over again. Not to say I that I ever hated this album by any means, but like it's probably it's been close to 10 years since I first listened to this album. And like every single time I enjoy my I enjoy my time with it. And I mean, at this point, that's probably at, at least 100 times, if, if not more. Um, I, I just freaking I adore Operation Mindcrime, so um, yeah, just you know, it's it's sad that this is kind of the only Queen's Rage album I'm I'm interested in, but uh, it's still, you know, I, I if anybody's interested in in like sort of '80s hair metal done right, uh, that's this album. Even though people will say that it's prog metal, it's really not. Um, but <laughs> it's, it's it's a great it's a great concept album as well. You can really get an idea of what the concept is actually about without having to like really read into it. Um, yeah. So that is our episode this week, and we will be uh. Well, so I think we're we're supposed to be doing a CD buy next week, right? Yeah, I'm looking so, forward to that. So we'll, we'll be doing. You'll that. actually be back in back yeah. in the Shire. Yeah, and but we'll, we'll we'll actually be you know together this time, so or next time, so yeah. Uh, thanks for listening, and have a good week. Yeah, take care. Right, bye. Bye.